Hey, good morning, everybody. Hey, it's a great morning, really sunny, bright outside. It feels great to be here to worship with all of you, uh, to be get together in this space worshiping God. Especially appreciate the songs this morning that really helped us to connect more deeply with God and give us some fresh words to think about our relationship. Sometimes we need that. Sometimes we need new words to help us to reimagine what that's all about. And sometimes we need just to get deeper into the scriptures. And that's what we're going to do today. So please join me in a word of prayer as we begin. Uh, whether you're joining us in person or online, let's pray together. God, thank you for this moment that we have to share together, this time this morning to go deeper into your scriptures, to, to listen to your voice to hear and to understand what you want to say to us. So this morning, we open up our hearts and our minds, our souls. We put aside the things that may be distracting us at this moment, and we trust in your goodness. We trust that you're here for us and that you have a message for us. In Christ's name, amen. Hey, so last weekend, we started a new series called Access 101. We're talking about our story and our vision, about how God has shaped these things over the years to create what we have here at Access. And so uh, last weekend, we went through some pictures and showed you a few things that, uh, were cr- that helped us create our, uh, our community over the years. And today, we're going to be talking about our first vision, uh, first part of our vision statement, which is this. We want to be a church experiencing a deep life with God and others. So really simple outline today. We're going to take the first half to talk about what is this deep life with God? Uh, What does God mean by that? And how do we respond? And then similarly, what do we mean by a deep life with others? What does God want for us in that? Why is it important And then we'll end with a few minutes of reflection today to think about what God might be having us do to go deeper in this new year. So let's begin with a deep life with God. What is this all about? Well, Scripture tells us that in the beginning, God created everything. He created this universe that we live in, our solar system, This earth that we inhabit, he created the animals that live on the ground and in the oceans. And then he took dust. He breathed into it and he created humanity. He created human beings. And very significantly, the very beginning of our story with God, God declared this good. At the end of Genesis chapter 1, he looks over everything that he's made, including human beings, and he says, it is very good. And this is very significant for us to begin our story with because, you know, you look around the world today and you might be thinking to yourself, well, this isn't good. (laughs) This certainly isn't good. Or the way that the earth is now, no, it's, it's not good, you know. Or some of us who dare to look inside and realize there's some things about us that we don't like. No, this is not good either. But you see, God's original intention for you and for me began with goodness. God declared this to be good. And part of this goodness meant that you and I were created in the image of God. We were created to be God's representative throughout all of creation. 
we are meant to, to reflect this goodness. Some of this comes through our ability to be in relationships, to love people, to love others. Some of this comes in our ability to care for others and care for this world. Some of this comes about with our creativity. These things speak of our being created in the image of God. And that was very good. And sometimes I want to help us to see that humanity, even in the crazy, messed up state that we feel like we're in these days, yes, we have this goodness from God that's going to come back in some of our story today. Now, the next part of the story comes a hard part. We human beings, we traded that goodness with God, and we rebelled against him. And we fell into something called sin, and sin leads to death. Now, you may have heard of sin in some settings as like moral transgressions, like breaking a rule or doing something bad. And yeah, sin is that in some cases, and certainly that's part of what sin is. But the Bible tells us that sin is a lot more insidious than that. It impacts us in ways much deeper. It's a corrupting and corrosive force that changes not only the world around us, but our very souls, so that we're no longer the good creation that God intended. We pervert love that we're intended to love others with, and we traded it for hate, for lust, for all the cheap alternatives. We traded this ability to care for others and to be generous. We became selfish and prideful and self-centered. All of these distortions came over and over again. Now, God chose a people to begin to work out a plan of redemption. But even in this choosing of this new people, they continually fell into sin and death, perpetuating this curse that was upon us. And Scripture tells us that all of us human beings have fallen short of the glory of God. But God's plan wasn't always just to save us through a group. It was a bigger purpose and a bigger plan. Ultimately, the plan of God was to save us through his son, Jesus. He sent Jesus to come take on the problems of sin and death, to go to the cross with that, to die for us, and to launch a new life, a new kingdom, a church, a people that would be transformed from the inside out so that sin was no longer the last word. It was a life. The staggering offer of the gospel is that you and I can be reconnected with our creator, with God himself. That you and I can know God intimately, not just abstractly like in a book or as a concept or in a foreign way, but Jesus even says, when you pray, you can now call God your heavenly father. In other words, all the best things that we know dads to be, all the good things that we hope our dads can be, are found in God, who is our heavenly father. And Jesus says, pray, ask, 
you will receive. You can be reconnected with this God. This is why we exist as a church. This is the centerpiece, the gospel, the good news that you and I can know God in a deep way. And this is at the heart of access. Gospel means good news. If I was using that interchangeably and you got lost there, that's what they both mean. Gospel is good news. Good news is gospel. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into this world to condemn the world but to save the world through him. Amen? And then this. I quoted this last week in a different version, but I wanted to include this here in the presentation of the gospel. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Jesus is inviting you to come. Even in our most tired and weary and burned out state, even in our broken ways of life, even if we haven't figured things out and we're imperfect and failing, Jesus says, no, you don't need to stay stuck in sin and death. Come, I'm here to rescue you. I'm here to show you a new way to live. I'm here to revive you so that you no longer follow the way of death, but of life. This is the gospel. If you're here for the first time and maybe you're just hearing this and this is kind of new to you, you've come to the right place. I really hope access can be a spiritual home for you where this message can go deep for you. And if you're here and you've haven't heard this in a while, or maybe it feels like a little bit foreign to you because it's been a kind of worn out message and you need some space to renew it in your heart. Well, I hope this place can be that kind of spiritual home for you as well. This is our vision as a church to be a place where you can experience a deep life with God. Now, this doesn't come with <laughs> out any issues at all. Of course, there are some problems, and I want to mention that the challenge of a deep life with God is real. It is something that you and I face every day, to stay engaged, to stay truly in this with God. This is the narrative of Scripture, by the way. Oh, the last chapter that I... <laughs> kind of missed out on is we were created in God's image. We fell, we are redeemed in Christ, and we are headed for a glorious future to live with God on mission. We'll get to that. But here it is. Jesus invites you to enter a deep life with God. Let's just take a few seconds in silence to savor this.
Thank you. The problem is this great temptation that we face in life. It is to devalue the deep life that we have with God through his son Jesus and believe or disbelieve it. Maybe to devalue it or to believe that his good news is essentially not good enough or not good enough for you or for me. That we need something else. Money, status, comfort, power, respect, a career, a title. You fill in the blank. The voices never stop in this world, and they're incessant. And they tell us that this deep life with God through his son Jesus is not good enough for you. So you need more. You need to add on to it. You need to find your identity in something else. You need to find a better salvation. And we do this all the time, trading the goodness of God, this great, good, deep life with God for cheap alternatives. And then suddenly things like COVID, something sudden like this chaos we feel in society, suddenly these things begin to strip it all away and then we realize, what the heck was I believing? Why did I trade this when I had such a good life with God? Sometimes we need that to remind us that within God we have this. Now, I want to take this a little deeper. Jesus gave this parable years ago to help us understand this very temptation. It's found in Matthew 13. He said that one day a sower went out to sow. A farmer took some seed, again, throwing it all around. Some of the seed landed on hard ground. It didn't really grow. Some of the seed landed on soil, but it didn't really go too deep, didn't have roots. So ultimately, this stuff dried up and withered away. There's other seed that fell on really good soil. This is like the ideal situation. These seeds just flourished. They just multiplied 30, 60, or 100 times what they were initially. And then there was this one seed that, was, that fell among thorny ground. And I wanted to take this opportunity this morning to talk about this one seed in particular. Not because Jesus emphasized it. I mean, he kind of just laid it all out. The, but because I really do think that our age, our time, our, our moment right now, we live among thorns. So the disciples came to Jesus and they asked him, what, what on earth were you talking about, Jesus? What's this parable all about? And he says, well, the seed, that's the word of God. In these scenarios, this is life. This is what happens with people. Sometimes the seed lands on like hard ground, doesn't go anywhere. Sometimes this seed really just flourishes and grows and people just really find this wonderful life with God and it just bears a lot of fruit. But sometimes it's thorny. And the thorns choke it out. And this is a scripture verse that I want us to focus on this morning. Matthew 13, 22. 
The seed falling among the thorns refers to someone who hears the word, but the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth choke the word, making it unfruitful. There are two things that Jesus points out here that I think are really important to listen to this morning. The worries of this world and the deceitfulness of wealth. Have you ever experienced the temptation that these things offer and felt like you wanted to chase after them? And let's be honest, I think we all do. I think they are very real. I get caught up in worry all the time, and I need reminding that the worry that I experience was not meant to be the way to live life. But within the peace of God, I'm meant to live a full and new life in Jesus. I admit there are times when finances look a little strange, and I think, oh man, I need to worry about this. And so I may chase after that for some time. But I need to be reminded, no, God's got this. He's got my story. I am wrapped up under the care of a good and loving God. Paul said it this way, and this is a great summary of our vision. We have been given charge to steward this deep life with God. It's part of our vision of a church. And Paul prayed for the Ephesians and said this way, I pray that you, this church in Ephesus, being already rooted and established in love, I mean, (laughs) that's a seed that's grown, right? Yeah, you may have power together with all the Lord's holy people, with all the other churches, to grasp how wide and how long and how high and deep is the love of Christ, and to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Paul has a tension here that he's praying over for you and for me and for the church in Ephesus, for all who read this. You see, this love of God is so deep we don't always understand all of it. It's beyond our knowledge. It's beyond fully grasping. We won't figure it out in this lifetime, not with our heads anyways. It's so deep. But once we get into it, once we start experiencing some of it, even just, I think, a drop of this reality, it will fill your soul to fullness. You will live a full life. When the love of God becomes your prevailing characteristic, it becomes part of who you are, you will experience a fullness like never before. This is why you were created. This was God's intention for the beginning. This is what God said was very good. There's a second part of our vision I want to talk about today. A deep life with others. So not only have we been given this vision to live a deep life with God, but a deep life with others. Whoops, pushed too fast. A deep life with others. So what is... What does this mean, and why is this important? I want to talk about a couple of things here. Recovering some lost concepts. So one of the things that 
often, you know, go into our imagination when we <laughs> talk about words like church and Christian are this, exactly, these pictures, right? When you think about church, what comes to your mind? A location? A building? <laughs> Maybe with a steeple and pews and with books <laughs> like hymnals and hymnities in their back? Um, if you look it up in the dictionary, that's what you will first find, right? Church is defined architecturally as a building. And some of the follow-up definitions for it are a gathering that happens at said building. And a follow-up concept to that for this weakened version of church is really this concept of Christian. What is a Christian? A person who attends this church. A person who goes to this church, who goes once a week to take religious offerings or, or really to, to attend to religious ideas in said place. The problem is, that's not what Jesus talked about. When he first called together his church, he had a very different idea in mind. And we called people to be Christians it was a completely different story. When Jesus began his ministry, you see, he called people to follow him. And this word, follow, is extremely important in Jesus' vocabulary. He uses it over and over again to help us imagine a new way of life. This is what it's about following. As Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and his brother Andrew. They were casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. Come, follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. At once they left their nets and they followed him. The very first people who began to follow Jesus very closely were called directly by Jesus in this way. Matthew goes on to tell his own kind of story. As Jesus went on from there, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at the tax collector's booth. Tax collectors were hated in the day. They were the ones who traded allegiance for Israel, for, for Rome, so they could make a buck. And Jesus looked at Matthew and he said, follow me. And he told him, and Matthew got up and he followed him. Luke and John say the same thing. Jesus said to them, crowds and to his disciples, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up their cross daily, and follow me. My sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life and they shall never perish. No one will snatch them out of my hand. I say this because this is just representative of when you read through the Gospels and you follow along and read these things, it comes up over and over again. What this basically talks about is discipleship. 
This word follow is a way to imagine what the old, the old first century folks knew as discipleship. So a disciple of someone was a familiar concept. He was a student or an apprentice of a rabbi, right? Someone who followed the way of a teacher. But sometimes I... I don't. I hesitate using this language because when we use student or apprentice, we th- we think about a, a classroom. We think about learning stuff from a book, which is important and good, but it misses out on the whole idea of following. And Jesus was very much about following, and he would go from town to town. He would do crazy things. He would preach to thousands and have no food ready, and he would tell his disciples, "Go feed them." follow me? And they say, we're following you. We have nowhere to sleep, Jesus, you know? And yet every turn they were provided for. This was the followership. And this is the life that you and I were called to. This is the basis for our deep life for one another. Discipleship, followership, As you and I follow Jesus together, as you and I encounter temptation, whether it's the deceitfulness of wealth or the worry of our day, we need encouragement because nobody does it perfectly. Nobody does it all right at the same time. We need brothers and sisters. We need young and old. We need veterans. We need newcomers. We need everyone to help us along our way. And we journey together. That's the awesome life of discipleship. And it's within that context that you and I find some of the deepest relationships that we will have this side of heaven. Spiritual friendships. People that we can talk about God with, sin with, to be real with, to pray over things with, to journey in life with. This is the vision of our church a deep life with God, a deep life with others. So we phrased it this way. This is one of our core values. We haven't read it here in a while, so I thought this morning that we would read it together. Um, Let's read this core value out loud together. We journey together. We imagine life as a journey, the church as a community of companions, and union with God as our ultimate home. We offer companionship to people of different stories and seasons of the soul. I want us to pay special attention to that final phrase here, to people with different seasons of the soul. And yes, those are my kids. And that's Caleb Chowdhury. A deep life with others recognizes seasons of the soul. Seasons of the soul. This is one of the reasons why some folks don't travel as deeply with others because they miss each other's season of the soul. And this is one of the opportunities that we have together, whether it's through teachings like LTI or faith walking, to recognize that, you see, God deals with people's journeys in different ways and different times, and we need to know there's that difference. So sometimes people go through what you might call a summery season of the soul. Things are bright, opportunities are good, they're opening up. It's like God opens up doors and there's more and more opportunities to do more and more things. 
And it's like everything is flourishing and bearing fruit. And you can say yes to many things. And that's the type of life that God opens for you. A summary season of the soul. But you see, life doesn't always go that way. We don't always bear fruit. We bear fruit in season. But some seasons change. You can't live in summer all the time. You may think you do because you're here in Houston. But yeah, days like this remind us, yeah, that we have a little bit of winter too. Fall is a different type of season of the soul. When things begin to cool down, when opportunities begin to close up, and we begin to realize that fruitfulness comes to an end. It's a hard time in life, especially if you live through much fruitfulness, to realize that fall is happening and you're wondering, is something wrong? Is something changed? Is something gone? Am I still close with God? You might be. You may not be. But this is a time to begin a bit of introspection to figure out what might be happening. Then there's winter. A wintry season of the soul is when opportunities come to a close, when the doors feel like they're shut, when we feel like maybe God is distant. The old spiritual writers would talk about this, and it was sometimes called the dark night of the soul. This didn't necessarily mean that God had lost you or that you lost God, but it meant that you were going through the difficulties of life in a deep way. Oftentimes, God takes us through a wintry season of the soul to have us rest and to know and to do some internal work so that we can take the next step with him in a new season. We won't be ready for that new season until winter takes place. And some of you might be here and you're experiencing this winter. You're discouraged. You're wondering why opportunities have closed. You're wondering why things have lost. And you can't relate to people in summer. It just doesn't really work very well. Or people sometimes you're in summer and you can't understand why you want to go, go, go and your friend doesn't want to go. It's because They're in a different season of the soul. It's important to recognize that when these things happen, we need to give each other grace. We need to give each other encouragement. We need to walk alongside each other. We may not be the best companion for that time and that season. Maybe they need someone else. But we can still be friends along the journey. And then there's spring. I love spring. Spring is when things open up, when things start flourishing again. Ice starts to thaw. And things that were planted begin to take seed and root and grow again, and new opportunities present themselves. Spring is possibilities and openness. And I'm hoping that this year will be a season of spring for our church as we imagine anew what God might bring for the new year. So I took some time to lay all of this out so that we can have some time for reflection. And I hope that in some ways, I know this was a pretty scriptural heavy day and uh, there's a lot to think about that maybe something in this message today got you thinking. So we're gonna have some time for a reflection and some music in the background. And I just invite you now just to know the goodness of God. He created you in this way. 
He longs for this, for this recovery to happen through Jesus. Whether you're new to this message, you just need to hear it again, or you need it to be reminded in some way. Let's take the next few minutes. Read all this through. Maybe take one question, because you can't do it all. But take one question, just sit with that for the next few minutes. And pray. Take this time to meet with God. Whatever God might be bringing up in your heart at this moment, I just want to take a moment for you to just honestly pray, to really bring this to God. Just pray. And ask God to make clear the next step for you to go deeper. Whether that's simple or tough or whatever it might be, pray in faith and ask God to be with you You're not alone in this journey. You travel with friends and you travel with the Spirit of God. Amen. And let's lift this up. God, whatever work needs to be done in our hearts, in our souls, in our lives, we just commit to you. And we trust that you're going to lead us forward this coming year to do some new things, bring new things to this church and to our lives. We're looking forward to that bring spring. We trust in your love and your goodness. In Jesus' name, amen. Stand together. And let's say our sending prayer. Loving God, through all our years, let the church be a community where we learn about love and practice it, where we need peace and work to build it, where we meet partners in faith who wish to abandon everything that cheapens our discipleship, where we discover gifts and offer them. And may your spirit guide us toward joy and generosity. In Jesus' name, in the way of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Hey, again, welcome. If you're new here, we'd love to 
take a minute to meet you out in the lobby later on. If you want to stay and uh, take some time to pray and be with God quietly, um, sure, feel free to do that and make space here. And don't forget, next week we're going to be doing a uh, picnic outside. So hope to see you for that. Sign up and invite your friends. We'll see you next time. All right.